Left. Right. Welcome to episode 214 of Sip Talk. This episode is about nothing and everything from American bathroom stalls to European bathroom stalls to American cars to vintage muscle cars. We, uh, we do cover quite a bit today. So sit back, listen, enjoy. See you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Your bar right behind you? Yeah, it's true. We'll give you a minute to pour yourself a drink. I know you've already had a drink. No, you're already, you're already, you're already live. I can see it. We are now live. So let me address our audience. Welcome to Sip Talk. This is Sip Talk, episode 214. My name is Justin DiGiulio, joining you from my basement in New Jersey. Today, I am joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, philanderer, philanthropist, bartender, and accountant, among other titles. Uh, he is drinking red wine. We are additionally joined by Rashd, Rashad Galeb, out of his uh, apartment on the Upper East Side in manhattan okay, no okay, longer our okay. silent partner rash is usually our <laughs> silent partner rash is usually uh behind the scenes however my two headphoned colleagues here are joining me in video i'm happy to have them uh today we're talking about nothing uh matter of fact <laughs> you know, we're talking about fitting cars from the 1960s into car parking lot spaces of the 2000s Rosh believes that car spaces have shrunk. I don't actually believe that. Um, but uh, first Maybe on a broader topic, like Europe is doing shit better than the United States. Uh, uh, should we go all the way back to bathroom stalls? Because or, oh, I recently read an article about how bathroom stalls in America, somebody defending bathroom stalls. How can you America. defend the design of bathroom stalls in America? Let, it's, let, it, for those let, of you who haven't traveled, <laughs> if you go to a bathroom in Europe, you will find that the bathroom stalls for privacy extend all the way down to the floor and all the joints are sealed, like are, are flush. So like, there's no gaps in the spacing between the different panels so that you can like accidentally peek a glance at someone taking a leak. Like you actually have perfect privacy in a European bathroom stall compared to American stalls where like the bottom of the floor is like to the, the bottom of the panel is like a foot and there's like an inch gap between all the paneling and everything else. Like who in their right mind would defend the design of American bathrooms? Give me the argument, please. Well, hang on. But uh, I'm, I will share with you. I will share with you the counter arguments against American versus European bathrooms. First things first though, I need to pour my drink. I don't hang on. I'm just trying to get us live on on the on the TikTok here. I don't have anything to drink. Well, take it take a minute, turn around. Oh uh, I'm seeing you got a lot of drinks behind you, Raj. Oh there's a bar. Okay. Okay. Let me get a bar. I'm Rush. seeing like twenty something bottles behind you. I'll help myself. Including Luxardo. Make something with Luxardo. That's Rush. right. Do you have Luxardo behind you? I do. What do you suggest, James? With Luxardo? Hemingway Daiquiri. 
Oh, you must be much closer. Oh. He's not going to be able to do that right off the off the rip here. If you got hey, bottled you know. grapefruit juice, you're in business. I assume I you do. got rum. I you do. Have a, you have grapefruit I have. in your house? I got grapefruit. I got rum. I got everything. Just tell me what to do. Oh, so actually you're in good shape to uh, to make a, a Hemingway daiquiri. Surprise me. Right. Do you have lime juice? Wine juice? Why, yeah, wine juice. <laughs> lime juice. I have no, lime. You don't need lime juice for Hemingway daiquiri, but like, do you have, have orange juice? I have orange. Uh, I have I mean, orange the, juice. the basic I recipe do. is going to be rum, luxardo, and grapefruit juice. I find that that can be a little bit harsh. So a little bit of um, orange juice will help smooth it out. All right. So right now. Hold on. on on the note that we are not live on Instagram, we've been banned from Instagram. So unfortunately, permanently. Uh, well, I thought we were only banned for a week. Last week we were banned. We are banned again this week. So look, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, I'll be drinking whiskey. Uh, this is a Kentucky whiskey, though, and uh, this is Basil, Basil Hayden's, and this was a courtesy of Kareem Uyani from my office. This was a birthday gift in October of last year. So I'm just shouting out Kareem. want to thank him. Well, that's a good bottle. And uh, it is a nice bottle. You know, I, I, I actually didn't want to open up anything nice because we're a little pre-St. Patrick's Day. Our initial topic of conversation for today's episode was going to be the history of St. Patrick's, which I oddly feel like we actually did last year. James, we might have. And also, like, a Hemingway daiquiri. Okay. So you start this. We'll be here. got you, Rush. We'll watch from the background making your Hemingway daiquiri. Uh, If you're just tuning in, this is a show where we have a few drinks and discuss, in today's case, nothing. In (laughs) In most days' cases, Nothing that interesting as far as yeah. uh, our listener is concerned. Can so, I use my analogy from before? Go ahead. Like okay. Going into this episode, we were talking about whether or not we had a topic. And I said, or yeah, you want to just a splash of that, like probably about grapefruit three juice? grapefruit juice. Um, do like an ounce and a half of rum and an ounce oh, of lipsardo. What else? That's it. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, like an ounce and a half of rum, an Maraschino, ounce of lucardo. Maraschino cherries? What? Maraschino. Um, that's not a bad idea. Like, there's that's no, what like, it says on the recipe. It says maraschino. Yeah, then well, if you get the cherries, then throw the cherries into okay. it. Okay. So, James, you were saying prior. But, yeah. Like, so, yeah. In the background here. Yeah. Um, like, well, what, what do we have ideas for topics? And I said, if you think about this like a jigsaw puzzle, we've got some of the corner pieces and like a couple pieces in the middle, but we also lost the box, so we don't even know what we're trying to build. And that's really what today's episode feels like. I uh, I don't know what we're going into it, but you know, I feel like actually having a, a nice live conversation where I have to watch what I say rather than a private conversation where I can say whatever I want. Uh, so Rosh has got a, a circular ice cube. Rosh, I don't think you want to add that to the glass yet. Wait, I would mix the drink. No, you put I, no. ice first. Okay. If he's if he's gonna, yeah, like he's, you don't want to put ice. You don't want to be bombing a cocktail with ice when you've got the liquid in there first. The ice is just gonna splash it all out. Like that's. Well, I got ice round ice. Yeah, right ice first, and then it's like good. if you've got a mixing glass, then you can you can stir all your ingredients together that way. All right. So uh, again, we have. We, What's what? What are you talking about? What's the? You have to be watching this. I would do an ounce, ounce and a half of rum and an ounce of Luxardo. You really know what's going on right now. Rum, rum yes, right? rum. 
But I mean, let me look at the, like, the actual recipe because I should. Right now. Guys, just for the record, this conversation that you have is not very conducive to anyone who's listening. So what we have going on right now is we have Rosh in the background trying to make a complicated, unpopular cocktail that was the genesis for the modern-day daiquiri. Modern-day daiquiri is a blended, very sweet and sugary drink that tastes like you would expect, it, expect a blended, sweet, sugary drink. However, the, the original Hemingway daiquiri is a grapefruit a rum drink. And James, you want to give me the... Well, first of all, the Hemingway, like the original daiquiri, like the Hemingway daiquiri is just a version of it that he created. But the actual recipe for a daiquiri <coughs> goes back much farther. And like the original daiquiri is just lime juice, rum, and um, like some sugar. Okay. So Not blend or anything else. Just shake that up over rocks. Like I find to use it simple syrup is better, but yeah, it's just rum, lime, sugar. So the Hemingway daiquiri. So most daiquiri is going to be like a strawberry daiquiri. Yeah, that's cruise ship tourist bartending. Exactly. So the Hemingway daiquiri, a little bit deeper, very good daiquiri, not as sweet as you might expect. Do a half. Huh? Yeah. Hemingway daiquiri is not as sweet as a traditional daiquiri, uh, although I believe Hemingway had diabetes, so probably a good thing. All right, James. Probably from all the alcohol. Probably from all the alcohol. So, uh, James, you want to you want to uh, recap the ingredients on a Hemingway daiquiri for anyone who's listening to us? And so try to recreate it. Of course, they'd be better off googling it. Um, grapefruit juice, rum, Luxardo, lime, and the Luxardo takes place of the simple syrup because Luxardo is very sweet. Luxardo is very sweet. I put a uh, a few drops. I was trying to try it in old fashioned with instead of. Uh, just a splash, not a lot. Instead of mud, muddling uh, a sugar cube with with some bitters, I put just a splash of Luxardo, and it was still too sweet for me. And I, I'm not a big fan of the sugar, anyways, in an old fashioned. You should so, try it with a little bit of triple sec. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking not, to Justin. Not, not you, Rush. Not you. Although, actually, like triple sec in that drink wouldn't be bad. Yeah, no, I mean, not like a splash. I, I think it would be better for gone. But try it before. Try it before the triple sec, because like a lot of times I'll add triple sec to kind of fix a drink. So so let's get back to our public conversation about cars. Is that good, Rush? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yes. Oh, it is good. All right. Whenever I go to a, a restaurant with my brother, I order a Hemingway daiquiri, Here's partially nice. because I like the drink, largely because I know it royally pisses him off. Your brother? Yeah, he hates it when I order that drink for some reason. So let's uh, let's go back just a minute. I'd be pissed if I was the bartender. Let's go back to the I want you to see it. It's this. an easy drink to make. It's just you have to have the ingredients. You have to know. Well, yeah, you have to have the ingredients, which most bars do, but you also have to know. So my question is, where were we about 14 minutes ago when we were oh. discussing cars, my friends? Let's get back to cars. Well, we've got the drinking done, so now it's time to drive. So, uh, Rosh, you were mentioning something about the size of cars, and James, you were mentioning something about the fact that Ford does not have a mid-size sedan 
in production right now. For the last like three years or so, Ford, uh, I feel it was about three years ago, Ford announced we're done making cars. We only make SUVs and trucks now. They just said the other parts of the market, like Honda and and Mazda, they they deal with cars. We're, we're sick of competing with them, like Honda and Toyota. So you know what? We're just not going to compete with cars anymore. People like SUVs, so that's what we're going to make. And GM is basically doing the same thing now. Mm, I'm having trouble, actually. I'm, I'm, I just clicked new Ford vehicles, the shop.ford.com vehicles slash new. And it's not loading for me. So I don't know what's going on with their website, but apparently they don't want anybody to be buying new Ford vehicles. Um, well, I mean, we got into the car talk because we we started off talking about Europe and my my argument that Europe just does things better than we do and about city design and how in the United States we still design our yeah. cities completely around cars. Right, but they don't have muscle cars. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do, but it's important. I mean, in America, well, you I can mean, have a nice Europe, Chevy it, Chevelle has 454. It's just different. Like no. you, you, you've got Ferrari, you've got Lamborghini, you've got Aston Martin, you've got Jaguar. Those are all European cars. James has a although Jaguar is owned by Ford. Now. And you got Koenigsegg. Um. So actually, you're McLaren. right. I don't see any midsize cars except for, and this is wow. I'm I'm actually blown away. I did not believe you on this, except for the Mustang. Which Mustang now has a new line? They have a electrified Mustang SUV. Oh yeah, they said that they were keeping the Mustang, but that's like the Mustang's not a midsize car. The Mustang's a sports car. Yeah, Mustang's and a cool they, car. It's just it, it, I'm just not. I don't know. I like how they return to the classic styling of the Mustang, but sixty-seven's um, classic. Well, yeah, they, they big and they, heavy. It the the new versions of the Mustang pay homage to the past versions of the Mustang. So their head, their their taillights and their headlights and some of the body design, while the vehicle looks completely different, it does pay homage and it looks similar. Now, if you take the Corvette, there is nothing about today's Corvette that looks like the Corvette of 10 years ago. And that Corvette looks nothing like the Corvette of 10 years before then, which also looks nothing like the Corvette of 10 years before then, which... You know, I love the Stingray Corvettes. I love the... Like 1974. The, I mean, so, some of the Corvettes are really cool, but the new ones just look like wannabe Lotus, Ferrari, Lamborghini, McLaren-type vehicles, and they've just lost touch with their roots. So to me, the, unfortunately, with the Corvette, is they're just trying to be everyone else, and they're not trying to be themselves. Well, I'll tell you what. Good luck trying to get a 2023 Corvette at MSRP. Why is there a huge demand on them? They're extremely popular, and oh. for good reason. They they're they're really really like for the price, it's probably the best performance car you can buy. Like the you're you're getting probably you two to three hundred thousand dollar European car performance at a seventy to eighty thousand dollar MSRP. Sure, but you're just buying. The thing is, it's it's like dating someone just because they're hot or something along those lines. You're, you're I'm not sure people buy a Corvette because they perform. They buy a Corvette because the history. But no, I don't. No, what I'm saying is that is I don't think they're buying them for the depth of the Corvette. They're buying them just for the sex appeal, just for the speed, just just for the high end performance, and they're not interested in the history of the Corvette versus the Mustang or a Porsche. Or, or even Lamborghini has, has 
has some lineage there. Whereas when you buy the Corvette, the lineage is fully unlinked. There, there's nothing tying you back 40, 60, 70 years ago. Well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question about philosophy, though, because you can look at the Mustang or like the Challenger and say like, these things were popular 50 years ago. So we're going to kind of make something that has a design similar to that. Or you could say, you know what, like this, this vehicle line continually evolves and we're not going to copy off of ideas in the past. We're going to come up with something new every five or six years. But, and which one's what, right? But what about and the answer building, is neither. Like, it's just what, what do about, you want to do. But what about rather than reinventing from scratch, what about building off of? Because if you're going to reinvent from scratch, you need to the, the car needs to have a different namesake. Well, can, you can see, you same, can see an evolution because if you look at like the C8 versus the C7 and the Corvettes, there's similarities between the two. Okay, now tie that back to the Stingray. Well, and you can go back like the C6. Ha, there's there's some carryover from the C6 to the C7, and you can go six five four three two, and you can see that there's a like you can see that this is the same car, and you, every time they're changing. You, and when you look question. eight evolutions you, you down, guys, it's going to look completely guys, different. You guys don't realize that we're veering off topic right now. We don't have to. This is topic. We'll get back to the bathroom stalls in just a minute. Uh, (laughs) So let me ask you a question. If we were to juxtapose uh, an image of you, a headshot, your LinkedIn image of you, next to your great, 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 great grandfather's portrait, would there be some similarities? And could people say, oh, wow, they're related? I have no idea. Okay. My guess is in most people's cases, they could. Now, I would like to be able to do that with cars. You can do that with the 911. You can do that with the Mustang. You can do that with the Charger. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other cars. The Challenger, not so much the Charger. Well, again, but you look at some of the lines in the taillights and the headlights and the overall uh, lines of the car, there's some similarities. Now, what Raj was talking about was the... 50s and 60s and the giant cars with the wings and the fins oh they're boats with wheels they, which which they literally were boats with wheels and, and they Rod- were super solid not that not the papier mache um, cardboard you, cars that t- you should <laughs> watch some today. videos of crash test comparisons where they take like a 1960s car and crash it into like a 2010 car and i'll tell you which car comes out better well, uh, generally, the older cars come out more intact, but the drivers of the new cars, where there are crumple zones, <laughs> come out in much in much better shape because the car, the newer cars, are built to crumple and take some of the impact. Whereas the I don't old- even know if the older cars come out more intact because you can see like well, crazy yeah. deformation in the old cars. Well, the frames get bent, and I mean it's basically like crashing a brick into. Uh, an aluminum can aluminum can yeah i mean the can's going to take some 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 real deformation but the brick may lose you know a quarter of it just, just yeah it, like it, when you're, if you're, like, you're riding in one the question is would you rather ride along a tin can or a or a brick if you were affixed to it even uh, even well even no even i'm, I'm brick, talking about even if i'm saying that doesn't have a seat belt I'm saying that the 60s cars are the ones that are the tin can. Like, they might be built out of heavy material, but the thing is there's no reinforcements. And so if you look at, like, the frame design of modern cars, it's all about being able to take the energy of that impact 
and try and distribute it as much as you can across the entire car. And so like if you might have damage to like the rear quarter panel in a front end collision on a new car because it finds a way to shunt that energy to other parts of the car. Whereas like if you have a front end collision with like, I don't know, a 60s Chevelle or something, it, like the back of the car is going to be completely fine, but the front is going to be utterly destroyed. And also if you look at like the drive, the driver cabin or something like the steering wheel is going to be like beheading the, the, the driver. <laughs> it's true. Or, or it was the Ford, it was the Ford Pinto or whatever fight club was based off of. Well, the Ford Pinto had the, the, the gas tank right in the back. The Ford Pinto? Yeah. yeah. So the gas yeah. tank being in the back of the car and when the car was in a, in a collision, the car basically lit on fire. Um, yeah, reliably. <laughs> yeah, no, like it was. James is right. Reliably, you got you got you got in a, even a, a, a heavy fender bender, and the car basically exploded. Yeah, you get rear-ended at like fifteen miles an hour. Like the Pinto has a pretty good chance of going up in flames. So uh, my question was, Rosh, what were you talking about twenty-five minutes ago when it came to the parking spaces? I think uh, back in the days, let's just say a Cadillac Eldorado. We'll take two parking spaces today. Right? I, so I, I, cars I, are slightly smaller. Yes, there's a lot more SUVs than family, you know, but um, but there, there's a lot more real estate to be taken back in the days. I don't necessarily think if you take one of the giant boat cars of the past with the fins. Yeah, like the Monte Carlos. Um, yeah, but I think you'd be surprised if you were to compare a 1965 Monte Carlo to a 2008 Monte Carlo. I, I, I'll bet you they would be about the same size. There's something about the size of new cars. Something with the no, size of new no. Cars. look at the Chevy Impala. Look at the... Everything is different, even though it's supposed to be a full-size car. It has nothing to do with with, with the sizes from book, and even the cubic um, the, um, the the cubic inch is different. Um, okay, so the looking for the 1968 model year, the Monte Carlo was 210 inches long. Let's compare that with give me a car like a, an average car today or even like we'll go with a 2015 go, go, go with the largest car today go go for like a, dodge a, challenger yes dimensions 198 so almost a foot shorter right the new one or the no old one for sure. the 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 2015 dodge challenger is 100 198 inches long mm -hmm. whereas the monte carlo was 210 so like a foot a foot shorter. Oh, well, now we, and you're talking one. about one of the, the largest one is cars. A foot shorter, and the Dodge Challenger is a pretty long car. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about a foot less. But I... let's, you know what? Um, 2015 Ford. We'll go with the 2020 Ford F150 dimensions, and we get 209. So almost dead on what like the set like the sec the 60s or 70s Monte Carlo was. Like three inches isn't going to make much of a difference here. Well, I'll tell you, the original Mini next to the new Mini Cooper, uh, the original Mini is much smaller. Well, yeah. Same same thing with any <clears throat> any of the 911 lineup. 
It's probably very similar to the Fiat uh, 500, admittedly. Well, uh, yeah. Honda Accord clocks in at 192. The Cinquecento. Um. But yeah, like I, I think you're seeing more standardization in terms of car dimensions today. But also, um, I feel this is probably like two months ago. One of you sent a picture of the various crossovers from like 20 different manufacturers mm-hmm. and how like it was almost impossible to tell which car was which. Like which car was a Mercedes, which was an Audi, which was a Mazda, which was a Ford, because they all like all had the same lines. Yes. I've got to share with you this, James. I don't know yeah. if, you, if you can see it. I think I sent it to Rosh. This is the – Can you? is it clear enough to read here? Mm-hmm. I can't read it, but – the, oh, Mazda CX-3. Mazda CX-3 versus the Ferrari. The Ferrari SUV versus the Mazda CX-3 SUV. And they look nearly identical. Mm-hmm. The color well, you've got that shape of car you're seeing so much today, and I hate it. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Uh, I don't... <laughs> it's, it's a very Japanese-influenced uh, design, which is like Jeep... Jeep was known for having circular or rectangular headlights. Now they are different kind of lines. The headlights, uh, along with the taillights, are just lines. Which, to me, how's this episode fully about cars? Actually, the half hour in. I know, I know. It, it just merged into. I think <laughs> well, we, since we didn't have a ladies. topic, all three of us are passionate about cars, so that's what it became. Well, um, but okay, have you seen the new the new Jeeps? Yes, yes. Yeah, they they do not have circular or rectangular headlights. They have just dashes that are LED dashes, which to me is is wild. Rush, how's that? uh, The drink is great, but uh, speaking about Jeep, the 2023 Jeep Wagoneer, I'm all for it. Is that the German version, the Wagoneer? (laughs) How do you call it? How do you say it? Well, in here in the United States, uh, wagon, wagoneer, wagoneer, yes, yeah. got it, wagoneer. Okay, I got it. Uh, slightly less exotic than. than I mean, would. I think I think it's uh, in the hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Very, very we get a lot of them out here in New Jersey. Maybe a little bit less, but have so, you seen the interior? Uh, apparently, the build quality in them is complete dog shit. Well, that's that was always my experience with the Jeep Wrangler. That just everything you touched broke. Apparently it's really bad. Um, that like, mm. I, I can try and do the research to show, like, because someone was talking about like working in the factory where they like put them together, and like, yeah, the the wagoneers are expensive, but they are held together with like twist ties and duct tape. No way. It's just there's so like, many. It's just very shoddily built. And also, you know, when when even when you're using plastic, just like with metal, there are varying degrees of hardness. So mm. I'll tell you, you know, having moved from a, an apartment in Manhattan where you have just, you know, very limited classes, play, space, Rosh, you know, to moving to a home in New Jersey where you have a lot more space and there's work to be done. So I had to start buying tools. And of course, I'm trying to do most of the work myself, which means every new job requires new tools, right? So mm-hmm. buying tools and depending on the job, you try to start out cheap. So rather than buying the high-end tools, you you know, especially depending on the job, it's kind of a once-over job, you're gonna aim to do the 
cheaper tools, right? Like I'm not using this tool day in and day out as a, as a professional contractor. I'm using it for one job and then moving on. But I can tell you something from having bought cheap tools when it comes to the hardness of metals. The cheap tools, the Harbor Freight tools, Harbor Freight's a store that I love, by the way. They have fucking everything you can imagine under the sun. But the quality of those tools is about as low as it gets. Uh, you buy a wrench set, and if you're really torquing down on those wrenches, they will strip out, even if you are like right onto right onto that bolt. The hardness of the metal is very weak. And same thing goes for plastic. The hardness of plastic comes comes along a spectrum. So in a car, mm -hmm. when you were designing a car and building a car and sourcing the parts, if you are choosing cheaper parts with a lesser hardness, there is more likeliness that the parts are going to break and the everyday parts that you use over and over again like the door handle or the shift knob or the whatever else i can tell you when it came to driving a jeep going from a 90s volvo to a uh, late 90s jeep right actually 1990 volvo to a 1998 jeep now obviously this is a couple decades ago um i could feel the 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 build quality of the jeep was just totally inferior and then of course driving the jeep like crazy it just caught every time i did something with the jeep something else broke james do you remember what that jeep looked like when i finally got rid of it yeah i was there <laughs> there was no first gear okay um so you had to start in second gear um you didn't you didn't start the car with a key started with a screwdriver Started with a screwdriver. You still needed to put the key in though to unlock the wheel. Yeah, because the wheel won't turn unless the key is is in the. So in theory, you could start this thing, get it in gear, and only be able to drive with the steering wheel with a range of this. <laughs> Remember my old uh, Explorer? No, was it was it an Explorer that I had in nineteen? It was a brown it a Explorer. No, I think he was an Explorer in '92. Remember when I was holding the door with my hand? Yeah, <laughs> as I was driving. Well, I also remember you totally screwed the rear diff up by running two different size tires for like thousands of miles, oh. so that the the entire rear diff was basically preloaded the entire time you were driving. So I had and I had two different size tires on on the car, and basically, just imagine if you have a a small wheel here and a large wheel here, and you roll them forward, the small wheel is going to have to spin more often than the large wheel, right? Now, if they are tied, right? If, if they're tied together, um, that- you end up turning, You go in a circle because one, well, one wheel goes farther than the other. So you'll have- the, the two wheels are tied together with the axle, and the meeting point is the differential. Right. The differential is supposed to account for a difference not specifically in size but when you're turning because when you're turning yeah. just think if you turn the inside wheel doesn't really move as much as the outside wheel obviously yeah, without a differential the inside wheel will lock up yeah if you're looking at me one of my hands that's turning is not moving right the other hand that's on the outside is moving more so the differential is supposed to account for that difference however when you run a smaller tire alongside a larger tire for thousands of miles uh it really fucks with the differential so what happened was uh it, towards the end of the life of this jeep the last twenty thousand miles or so um 
the pressure would build up in the differential. I don't know exactly how this works. Mm-hmm. And, oil in there. and and you would and you would feel and you would feel the car starting to pull, starting to pull, starting to pull, and then just pop back into place. It and wasn't then, severe, but like as you're driving, you have to fight the wheel the a little bit more and a little bit more. Pull, but very slight, and then just pop back into gear. <laughs> And, and it was just pull, operate on like an eight pull, to ten second cycle. And, pull, and then pop back in here. It was the it was the weirdest thing. But but also this only happened after the car had been driven for a while. So if the engine was cold, the differential was cold, the wheels were cold, you could drive for 40 minutes and you wouldn't feel this. However, once you've been in the car, you've been up to highway speeds, the car would start to pop. Um, um I also remember so you know how when your gas tank is full, the the pump handle will pop out to let you know that the gas tank is full. Yes. So this Jeep, it didn't matter if the tank was bone dry. You could only fill it up in like pea squirts. Like you'd squeeze the handle and it would pop back on you. So you'd register 0.05 gallons. Yeah. So so the, the pumps have an automatic shutoff based off the pressure coming from inside, inside the gas tank. This thing, just basically gave off whatever pressure that the gas tank was completely full all the time. So if you had to fill you, if you had to fill this thing up all 15 gallons or 18 gallons or whatever of it, this would involve uh, several hundred clicks of the pump. Click, click, and it would take you like 20 minutes. And you're standing there, and people like people hear that sound and can feel the vibration as it goes through the pump. So like you're like, kum, kum, and everyone looks and then like, you just keep on doing this. <laughs> like this guy's just going to end up sending fuel all over the floor. We're like, no, 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 it's all going yeah, into the tank. Like only quarter full. <laughs> that click, by the way, is like what the, what the gas station attendants in New Jersey rely on to know when your, when your car is done. That, that, right. So that, yeah, that, if you bring it to a way. gas station in New Jersey, you're going to get about a thimble full worth of gas. So, uh, build quality when it comes to cars is, uh, well, I feel like it's going, I remember getting in a, a, to the nineties, they were, like I always been partial to the Land Rover Defender specifically, anywhere between 1992 to 94. I don't know what type of Defender they're building today. I've seen a lot of ads. I'm curious uh, if they honor historically the sturdiness of the. Uh, no, Defender. they don't. I've driven I, I, back when I worked in hotels. I would valet cars sometimes, and I drove some of the newer Land Rovers, and I thought that they were they they were all plastic. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember getting in a Hummer H3 and the shift knob, the shifter, the gear selector being plastic and just thinking like, I thought these were cars that the Army used. But the H1? The H1, of course. Although the H1 was pretty crappy too. Um, there was a saying in the Army about H1s, if it's leaking oil, it means it has oil. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, All right, I see James drinking. What are you drinking, Justin? I am drinking this Basil Hayden's Basil Hayden's uh, whiskey here. Okay, okay. Because we're two hours and forty minutes from St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I I, I got to share this one since we're like I'm, I'm off topic, but funny army things. Okay. So guys are in training for like their first paratrooping like training. 
So, you know, like you're going to jump out of the plane and this is how to operate your parachute and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so the army, like the army parachutes work differently than like, if you're going skydiving, we're like the skydiving parachute, like you actually have to pull the cord to deploy the chute. Um, when you're paratrooping, there's a little mechanism where like you're attached to the, the airplane and as you jump off, it pulls a cord. So the chute automatically opens for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all the cadets that are sitting through listening about like the, how to operate the parachute and everything else. And you got the drill sergeant that's giving the talk. Right. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how if your chute doesn't deploy when you first jump out of the plane, how to deploy the emergency chute. Because all, all parachutes have an emergency chute. So he goes through that process. And then one of the cadets says, well, what happens if your primary chute doesn't deploy? And then I pull the handle for my emergency chute, and that also doesn't deploy. The drill sergeant says, well, you got the rest of your life to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's brilliant. Very good. That, 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 that is funny. Um, all right. We got to talk about bathrooms. We got to talk about shitters. Um, why? Why? I think that's an important topic today. All right. So who in their right mind is defending the design of American bathrooms over European bathrooms? All right. Okay. So, okay. Are we talking about bidet or are we talking about? No, no, we're just talking about the stalls, about how the stalls in Europe are flush that you actually have privacy. You can't see into them. So, so let's, let's just describe a European bathroom versus American bathroom. So American bathroom, you have a stall. There's, there's a 18 inch space from the floor to the, to the bottom of the door between the door and where it meets whatever divider there's a half inch quarter inch gap which means people outside the bathroom can see in people inside sitting on the toilet can see out you can hear everything right mm-hmm. um now yeah, really acoustic now the the they're not really soundproof regardless now the european well, bathrooms are separate stalls where you have a door that goes floor to ceiling. We see this a lot, I feel like, in New York City. Uh, you, you go to a bathroom, and oftentimes there's kind of a communal sink, but each toilet has its own private private space, which I also think a lot of times is funny because just, whatever's going on inside that individual toilet, you've still got to take your dirty hands and open and close the door. So Well, that's what the sink's for. But the sink is communal outside of the room, so you're not... The, the the doorknob is being soiled irregardless. Just for the record, I don't really participate in the soaping and the and the do your ABCs washing of the hands. All I do is turn on the faucet, dip my hands in the water, and do this kind of theatrical da da da, and then I dry my hands. And how do you flush the toilet by hitting it with a foot? No, I'm a more no. ur- I'm more of a urinal guy. I, I touch the toilet. I'm not really worried, ah. really not really worried about germs. I'm washing my hands afterwards. Who the fuck cares? I mean, I'm not really washing my hands, but I rinse them just again for the theater of of it all. So the argument rinsing them does most of the work anyways, though. What's what's the difference? Just water? No soap? No, I'm not much of a lather. I'm all for the germs. I, you know, during the entire pandemic, I never used Purell or hand sanitizer once, except for when I was in Mexico and the guy, we were getting a ride from the airport to the uh, to the, uh, I don't know if it was a resort or a hotel. It was kind of like a treehouse. Um, we were getting a ride to the treehouse from the airport, 
And the guy told us in order to get in the car, you need to clean your hands. And then, of course, we got in the car and he stopped at a at a shop and we all got beer. And, and he told us we had to wear masks also. So you have to use hand sanitizer and you must be wearing a mask to get in the car. Right. And then and then 10 minutes into the car ride, we stopped at a store and we picked up, I don't know, eight beers and and we each drank beer in the car with their masks off. So. <laughs> Again, like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get in the car unless you're wearing a mask, but you can get in the car. It's not very coordinated. It doesn't make any sense. It's not very well coordinated. So, but that was the only time during the pandemic that I actually used hand sanitizer. Let me get back to the 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 arguments for, and these are very. There's, there, I'm building it up way more um, than the arguments worth. But the argument for the American style um, toilets, the American mm -hmm. style public bathrooms. And one, the benefit of the space underneath is you can see if that toilet is occupied. Right? Yeah, but that's an easy thing to work around. Well, nobody wants to be nobody wants to be mid mid shit or mid sat down piss, uh, and somebody knocks on the door and they have to say, "Oh, sorry." Uh, no, what you do is you have those ones that like when the sliding locket like just is like a green or a red bar Ooh, on the outside. Green. Are you from the future? Yes. <laughs> but this, this is a brilliant idea. Um, you can so, also see if somebody I mean, left. We've seen this on the floor like, because they the, own drugs. The airport airplane bathrooms have had this technology for decades. So, so when you slide the lock right, the outside I'm, of the door, I am just sharing with you the arguments for the American style bathrooms. So, that was an argument for the space underneath and the space in between. Argument number two. Should someone have passed out or has had a seizure? I think, Raj, this is kind of what you were just getting at, or had a drug overdose, and they're on the floor in the stall. You can see that, A. You can get in to try to help them, B. And you can pull their body out underneath the door, C, without having to unlock it. Okay? Part number three as to why American bathrooms, and again, these aren't my arguments, these are just the arguments, as to why, and I also disagree with these, I think the greater good is the European bathroom. Uh, argument number three is uh, that there is space so that you could open the lock if needed from the outside, if you were really desperate to do so. Mm. I, 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 I struggle to find a situation in which that would be necessary. Uh, I mean, again, I agree with you. Because the only like, if you're dealing with like a true emergency, then that's when you call someone on staff that has the key to it or whatever. <sighs> Providing uh, that they have the keys to it, or, or if it's that big of an emergency, you kick the door in. Well, then which, you by the, the way, wall. is one thing that I want to do at least once in my life. Like, is the, kicking a public bathroom. Not, no, not to, just any door. Like the idea of like, I can't think of a better way to make an entrance into a room than to start off by just going, bam, I'm here. All right. So, Justin, next time we are in Charleston, we know what to do. We're going to take James to the nearest restaurant or bar that have that type of stall, and we're going to videotape him. Kicking off the door. By the way, by the way, by the way, guys. The expression videotaping. Uh, I have, I have three. Why, why can't we just 
find an equivalent that is a little bit more. Just for the record, just for the record, Rosh has twelve tins of actual film in his home refrigerator. So, but what I was saying was, we could. Why use does it need to be refrigerated so it doesn't catch on fire? Yes, uh, Rosh has because it's 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 very flammable. I have my 35 millimeters movies. Was it like nitrocellulose? Uh, yes, there is, it's it's a it's it's a technology that. that you have to preserve it in ice. I mean, so, not in ice, in cold, in 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 cool temperatures. So we could actually get you busting down the door with your foot, James, and use that as our new intro to Sip Dog Podcast, which we are yeah. in great we are in great need because the current intro is very appropriate. What an intro! Yeah, so we can I like that. We, I'm we, in. we got we got some real work to do, but next time, James, you're up here. Maybe Rash and I. That's uh, right. I'll and you got a door frame that you don't particularly care for. Well, yeah. we'll, be prepared, we'll, we'll be prepared to compensate the damage to whoever owns the establishment. So I want to talk more it's about perfect. European toilets. I want to talk more about European toilets versus American toilets. And another one is the flushing mechanism in American toilets versus a fl- flushing mechanism in European toilets. Now, if you've had eyeballs and a bowel system for the last decade, you will have noticed that American toilets have been adapting. However, prior to about a decade ago, there is a single flush feature, a single knob that you must turn, a single handle that you must- Are you talking about like the half versus the full flush? But typically, it's just one little handle on the side of the toilet tank that you must push. In Europe, there are two options. And Mm -hmm. one allows you to use half a tank of water, which is generally just piss. And the other is to use the full tank of water, which is whatever's in the bowl must ultimately be flushed down the drain. Number two, we got evidence to dispose of. No risks taken, and that's and that's the the double the double flush. So in the U.S., we really only have one flush, which wastes a lot of water. A lot of water. Anybody knows anything about public water? It's in much shorter supply than you imagine. And there's Mm -hmm. actually funny thing is about public water supplies is we actually have no plan or like usage plan at all. We just kind of use them as never-ending supplies which is why a lot of the Midwest and Cal- you know, even, even California is doing better now. Well, why? Because they've gotten a crap load of rain. Okay. Fair enough. But, but ha- why the Midwest and, and the, the, the far West are doing so poor with water is that they actually don't really have a plan for distributary. Uh... Well, no, like the Colorado river does have a plan. The problem is that like, the allocations add up to like more than a hundred percent. Well, that's that's the issue. Is we just continue to take from the from the distributaries of you know whatever watershed there is, and we we don't actually measure the usage. And it's just well, yeah, it's like so. Let's say that the total flow of the Colorado uh, Colorado River is a hundred. So like going for all the states, like you like state ones, like I'll take thirty. Okay, cool. I'll take twenty five. Cool. All right, I'll take thirty. And like when you add up all the states and allocations, yeah, like, all right, this seems fair. And you're like, we're at 115. Ah, all right, cool. All right. She's gonna dry up pretty soon. So uh, that 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 is one of the issues with the. Well, with the, maybe it's because we've got like this entire system where we decide that we're gonna farm alfalfa in Arizona. Uh, well, I mean, also with almond production, and yeah, we're. I mean, the thing is, we're we're spending so much. We're allocating so much water for kind of bullshit farming. 
I haven't had al- alfalfa in, in a decade, probably no, 12 years. Al- nobody eats alfalfa. Alfalfa yeah. is a feed crop for livestock. And the thing is, alfalfa requires an insane amount of water. Not as much as almonds, but at least people eat almonds. But, people yeah. don't even eat alfalfa. But not that many people eat almonds. <laughs> and now that we're producing almond milk and, and, and just and dropping the almond waste because nobody's eating almond peanut butter. Uh, I, I like uh, calling we're it producing almond milk. I like calling it nut milk. It, <laughs> nut milk. We're producing all these alternatives because there's an entire generation that is absolutely allergic to nuts. Um. So, uh, guys. So we've, that that could be another topic. We've by the covered way. Uh, some bullshit about cars. We've covered and toilets. We've covered bullshit about bathrooms. What else? I'm curious to see how you're going to label this episode. Well, right now, our current topic is an episode about nothing. However, I wanted to keep the conversation going. We were having a nice conversation. I figured we'd bring it up. So you're about to change conversation for the next... 214. There is no topic. Not even. Not even. 12 minutes. Uh, 13 minutes. We did have an episode called called The Liminality of Life or or something along those lines where we were just kind of talking about how, how life is changing but we can't put our finger on what what's changing no, i was talking about like liminal art are we talking about, liminal, are we talking about art are we talking well, about art? primarily movies because that's the easiest way to spot it okay okay what do you want to talk about what type of art liminal liminal yeah can you can you develop a little bit better you have to listen to the episode right yeah the, the, we have a we have a whole. It's episode two hundred and uh, and eight, I think. Liminal. So, yeah, or just like Google, Rach, just Google liminal space. Liminal space. That's uh, kind of Schrodinger like, right? <laughs> no. No. What is a liminal space? Liminal space refers to a place a person is in during a transitional period. Yep. It's a gap. And can be physically like a doorway, emotional like a divorce, or metaphorical like a decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, that's, but look at like look at images of liminal spaces. I can see that. I can see that. Those are. Um, it, it's kind of mm-hmm. like you're on the precipice of. So when I when I said Schrodinger, it feels like a very long hallway. Schrodinger is not exactly the same idea. Schrodinger means you're both simultaneously and. And also simultaneously, neither, if, to whatever degree. Well, uh, that's you, you're describing superposition. Yeah, which is which is what the basis of Schrodinger's cat is. Well, Schrodinger's cat was designed as an allegory as to why superposition makes no sense. Good lord, I am looking at a space in a hotel, and it's a very long hallway. That carpet is too much carpet right there. It's way too much carpet. It's a sea of carpet. Gosh, right are you there. high? <laughs> No, <laughs> Hemingway. Uh, this one drink. So this well, one. Drink. Josh had a couple of drinks before. Uh, yeah, I had a drink with Justin before we. we so we had a. We, had, yeah. we didn't have an Irish beer, but we did have a matcha Japanese beer, which also had. We had a we had a matcha Japanese green. What is well, it? Japan and Ireland have always been close allies, so close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know ever of and we had a shot of them I don't know ever of, of Japan bombing Ireland. Actually, you know what? He he was like, Oh, I can't give you a shot, but I can give you a glass of Jameson. And yeah, I never understood he that. He gave us half a glass of Why Jameson. Why would he do that? 
Probably a city log or something. He didn't give us a shot. It, this is this is a very upscale Chinese restaurant. It wasn't it wasn't like a general sao sesame chicken sweet and sour lo mein type Chinese place. This is a very upscale Chinese place down the block, and uh, and they had Japanese beer surprisingly, and this beer had matcha in it, also very Japanesey, and uh, and they also had Jameson behind the bar, so. You know, we they I wouldn't have thought anything of the Jameson, but they gave us this green beer, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't Irish enough, considering that they're referencing uh, Japan." So we we need to do some real Irish, real Irish. It, it was very St. Patrick ish. So for the record, those of you who are listening to us uh, or watching us, this episode could have been about the history of St. Patrick's, which could I have. feel very confidently. That we already did last year, and also you're welcome for us not doing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, all one of you who listened to that episode, <laughs> thank you, mom. Uh, uh, you know we appreciate you being there for the St. Patrick's episode, but we needed to spice it up with an episode about absolutely nothing today. Is there anything else that you guys feel we should add in today's episode? Yes. Us live on Two Twitter. hours and twenty minutes until St. Patrick's. You're watching us. We got <laughs> we got we got our biggest audience yet of uh of Facebook and YouTube viewers with, with eight viewers right now. I can't um, wait. So I'm I'm really <laughs> excited. So if you want to leave a comment, let, let us know what we should talk about or just respond to your comment if you have a particular question. Or We're, come or come meet us tomorrow. It's Friday. In, uh, we go in, to the office, we're gonna work, but then we're gonna Awesome Are you guys day. doing something for St. Patrick's Day? Hell yeah. What we're it's gonna such do, a dumb what holiday. Gonna, what we're going to do in the office is we're going to grab a couple of cases of Guinness. You have to understand that get Justin's, Killians office, instead. Justin's office is equipped with a bar. It's get like Killian's man. instead. It's, it's such like a better man. beer than Guinness. I like Guinness, but um, I really like Guinness. Guinness is not a great beer. Uh, it's a great beer, but it's not. No, uh, it's not. No, no, no. The thing is, it's a great beer because, like, it, it, it's just the history of it. But it's like if you take a left-hand stout or basically any other stout, it's generally better than Guinness. Um, but Killian's is good. There's a Harp. There's Smittix. Uh, there's a lot of other Irish beers. Yeah, but those like Harp and Smittix are ciders. So you're saying that tomorrow you're going to drink mostly beers? Yeah, well, the plan for the office tomorrow was we're going to grab a few cases of beer Maybe mm. a couple uh, bottles of Jameson behind the scenes. I'm bringing and, my uh, bourbon and ginger ale. And then, uh, you know, I know that Dunkin' Donuts and uh, Krispy Kreme, which are located inconveniently on our block. Uh, very inconveniently. And Chick-fil-A. Offer green, very, very inconveniently. They offer green donuts. So I figured I'd just grab a dozen of donuts from each place. Drop them on the table and just go back to my little glass office cave. You really don't want to do that because the sugar content. I'm not. I, I, I'm aware the sugar content of donuts is 100, but I wasn't planning to eat them. I was just going to drop them on the table and go back to my 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 glass office cave and uh, and and do some work. I, I wonder yeah. what the Vegas odds are on Justin not eating any donuts tomorrow. Are it's it's it's, it's going to touch those donuts. So James may both of you may be aware of a, a story where I worked at a rental car office and one person a week used to have to sit in the corner behind a cubicle divider and they had to do what's called callbacks. 
and we had this Microsoft DOS version system, black screen, green text on the screen, and you had to update the callbacks. What and was it called? What was it called? Matrix. It, Matrix. I, I don't remember what it was called, but it was the Matrix. Or you had to do. It looked like the green screen from the Matrix. And when you had, on black background. Yes. And you had what you had to do is you had to touch base with every person who rented a car over the last so many months, and then and then uh, and then you had to call all the businesses in the area that used to rent cars and you used to have to sell them on renting more cars something along those lines however i was sat in the corner now we had this woman who rented a car once a month or so whenever she needed to go out of town to visit her son or daughter or family and when she came back she would bring us a couple dozen boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts and there was a new Krispy Kreme about a mile down the street which a mile by south carolina terms is very close not very close by New York standards, but uh, but yeah, by South down Carolina, Savannah Highway. Yeah, by South Carolina standards, it was next door. And what she would do is she'd grab a few dozen donuts, she'd drop them off at the branch. And you knew the time to buy those Krispy Kreme donuts was when that hot now sign was on. So there was one day she dropped off about four or five dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in four or five different boxes and i was sat there in the back corner now of course for the corporate image they didn't want to have these donuts sitting out on the floor of the office so what they did was now bear in mind the office by the way was a trailer <laughs> it was a double wide trailer okay uh but for you know for for corporate image sake they didn't want these donuts uh on the main floor so what they did was they stuck them back behind the cubicle divider where i was sat now, back in the day, I used to lift a lot of heavy weights and I used to eat a lot. Uh, I used to avoid carbohydrates generally. James remembers some stories about avoiding carbohydrates. I remember one time Justin oh, got oh, right, 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 right. Let's get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> However, they placed a stack of four or five boxes of a dozen donuts each in front of me. They sat it next. Now, bear in mind, you could feel the about you place your hand. You could place your hand on those boxes and you could feel the heat coming from the boxes. Now, I was doomed, all right? I was in solitary confinement. It was me, there was no light, there was no sound. It was just me in darkness and some warmth. And bad decisions. And some warmth of the donut box. And How many were left? I ate two dozen donuts <laughs> in, one, in one sitting. And I felt so guilty on my lunch break, which was an hour lunch break. It took me 15 minutes to get 10, 10 minutes to get home, 15 tops, and, and 10, 15 minutes to get back to the office. And I, I, ran, I went home and I ran two and a half miles or whatever that frontage road, whatever loop was. And I remember that run. And this run, I have never done a run before where I had so much sugar in my, in my blood. And I was black. I was almost blacked out for this run. My, my, I was losing my sight, and I could just see white stars in my vision. And I hadn't had. What about the sugar rush? The sugar rush. rush. There was the sugar in my in my bloodstream. It was, was the crash. It was it was really fucking with me while I ran. And I did this run. I came I, I came back to the the apartment. I took a shower, and I changed I changed back into my work clothes. Came back to the office somehow. I took an ice cold shower, although ice cold water does not exist in South Carolina. It does during the winter. 
Yeah, yeah. So I took a, a a Luke cold shower or a tepid, whatever you want to call it, shower. And uh, I don't think Luke cold is a thing. And uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just got used to the comment that came through. I feel bad yeah. for you. I don't think I don't think the sugar rush does that much damage to the toilet. But either way, I, I think two dozen donuts is going to do damage no matter what. But the thing about Krispy Kreme donuts, they are unlike any other donut. The thing is, you take a bite and it just dissolves. It's like biting. Yeah, they're very light and airy. It's almost like biting into cotton candy. Like you take a giant chomp of cotton candy and it just kind of goes away, right? Like you could take a a a giant cloud of cotton candy and condense it into like a square inch and then just eat it like a hard candy, and it would still be softer than hard candy. It's gonna be a disaster tomorrow if you bring some crispy treat. I'm telling you, I know this man. He's not gonna get his hands off of the Krispy. I won't. Cream. I won't be bringing. I won't be bringing the Krispy Kremes tomorrow. That'll be you better good. not. That'll be I, good. Yeah, I remember how hard up you were for carbs. One time, I was at the apartment. Hold you on, come let's back. Let's, let's let's pause. Let's let's go back in time. All right, this is back in um, time. Just so you know, we're just hitting the hour. Just so you know. All right. It's a quick story. And also, we don't have to worry about getting kicked off Instagram, so yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that much. So back in the day, I had spent a few years working at a gym. I really thought it was important to go low carbs. I was working out a lot. I put on a lot of weight and a lot of muscle, but just a lot of weight overall. And my goal was to get more lean by avoiding having carbohydrates. So I was doing a little more cardio than I was I, I had been doing for the last couple of years, but I was also not having any carbohydrates. So no rice, no potatoes, generally avoiding vegetables and fruits entirely. And then one day I came home from work, James. And I'm in the kitchen. Justin walks in, you know, some, what are you cooking? It smells really, really good. Oh my God. What's, what, like, what are you cooking, James? It, it, it's toast. <laughs> I was just toasting some bread to make like a peanut butter, like like peanut butter toast or something. But just the smell of toasting bread set him off. I'm like, oh, you, you have company over? You building a feast for dinner? With this? No. Yeah, James goes, oh, I just put some bread in the toaster. <laughs> I just put some bread in the toaster. <laughs> doesn't take that much. Yeah. It doesn't take that much. Mm. Dude, low hungry, carb is hungry. miserable. So that's the thing about low carb diet is is your your body is starved for immediate energy, and I mean you're basically paying you're playing this rob Peter to pay Paul game, right? Like you're you're robbing your fat storages, right? But you're eating a lot more fat and a lot more calorie dense foods. So that's ultimately but, your body's trying to store that as fat, but but your body needs the immediate generated calories. So it doesn't get that. So I'm just talking from a palate perspective. Like I tried doing low carb for like two or three weeks and that was long as I could last because like so much low carb food, like you just get sick of it very quick. Do you remember the time? So I, I did low carb for a while, especially when I lived in South Carolina. Do you remember the time James that we went fishing and I bought a half gallon of ice cream in a container and I didn't have a spoon and I ate it with a credit card we just went out fishing and I and we went to the store and I bought a half gallon of ice cream. It was my cheat day. And and we're sitting on the dock and I'm like, all right, I'm about to eat this ice cream. And we went out there and I did not have a spoon. So I just had this uh, very resourceful. I had this moose, moose tracks ice cream and I ate 
I, how, how are you going to dig into ice cream with, with no utensils? So I used a credit card to dig into my Moose Tracks ice cream. Moose Tracks, by the way, was an ice cream that I discovered from James. As James, James is the only person I know that can have uh, uh, several pints of ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> I can't like you can you 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 bring like a a a uh, like a a snack pack of Oreos into my house. They are gone within the next three hours. Now I might I might be like, oh, you should put that in the cabinet. I would like might walk into the other room, but I'm doing like some ninja shit where I jump out the bathroom window, come through the back door, snag those Oreos, and just disappear. I, I walk I walk back out of the bathroom. And be like, yo, um, how about those Oreos? Can we open those up? Oh, wait, what happened to them? Wait, they're not there anymore. So James has this ability to like stockpile junk food. And and I don't know how exactly it is. I don't, it's something in his his deep, his depth of character. Virtue no, it's is, just, is, I is, don't like eating. <laughs> but. I do like. You never know. Maybe I remember. When you get the munchies. I mean, I've done this several times. But like when when we first moved down to South Carolina, I was like truly on my own. There were a couple of days where like I hadn't gone grocery shopping and I didn't have anything to eat, but there there was ice cream in the fridge, so I had like ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> like I'm an adult. What do you mean you've never had brownie mix for breakfast? It's an all time great line. Because <laughs> there was indignance. Adult. It, there was there was there was an, an air of disbelief. What do you mean? You've never had brownie mix for breakfast. You mean to tell me you've that never is, had brownie mix for breakfast? James, that's 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 character defining right there. Yeah, we know. Although I did see something great about eating ice cream for breakfast, where there was like a news article where like some like some nutritionist like it turns out that having like ice cream for breakfast is actually like a nutritionally good move. And it's someone says, I don't know how true or not this is. I could just tell you that the times in my life that I was eating ice cream for breakfast were not the best. So I did a sales meeting this morning <laughs> and and in similar lines to like the times of my life. And and I don't know how we got into this. We're, I might have been – we, we weren't talking about it. It was just me talking. It was me talking for 115 minutes nonstop because um, that's how meetings go, right? It's me teaching a, a sales class. But somehow I talked about how bread and rice and potatoes are not bad for you, right? And I, and I said, the issue with potatoes is think about how the majority of the United States consumes potatoes. The majority of potatoes in the United States are consumed via potato chips and French fries. Now, that's unhealthy for you. Now, if you just ate a baked potato, you'd be full, right? You could eat a baked potato with a side of whatever meat you want. It could be four ounces of meat, but you eat a whole baked potato, you're full. Now, if you want to throw butter on top of it or sour cream or whatever else, you're getting whatever calories you're getting from that. But it's not deep fried, right? It's not turned into a potato chip. It's just a baked potato. Uh, rice. Now, most people eat lots of rice, and what it does is it spikes your uh, it, it spikes your uh, blood sugar. So, rice doesn't so much contain that many calories, but because it spikes your blood sugar, what it does is it makes your body store the calories that come from whatever you eat rice with. So, it's not the rice that's bad for you; it's whatever you're eating it with. And any guesses as to how much how many calories are in a single baked potato? Um, one baked potato. 
190 to 240, somewhere in that range. 160. Okay, okay. I was I was low, but 160 calories in a baked potato, which will fill you up, is not that many calories. That's a really small. You get 160 calories from a can of Pepsi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So now let me ask you a question. You drink a can of Pepsi, you full? No. You nope. eat you eat a potato? Are you you eat full? an entire baked potato, you're at least getting towards full. Yeah, exactly. All right. So next was rice. And then the next thing I said was bread. And I said, what's the thing is for hundreds of years, people have eaten bread and rice, and they were not overweight or out of shape. The issue with, and I just gave you my my uh, defending rice, that it's not rice itself, it's what you eat it with. Um, which, most, how much you eat. which most people just kind of ate rice flavored with meat and flavored with vegetables. Now they their their main is the meat, right? And the side is two cups of rice, which two cups of rice is a lot of rice, yeah. by the way. Um, but now, now let's go to bread. Bread, by the way, is flour, yeast, and water. And you can add some salt for flavor. Now, of course, when you bring sugar into the equation which every time any anytime i go to the grocery store and i try to buy bread i literally spend my entire time in the bread aisle trying to find bread without added sugar all i want is flour yeast and water why don't you find a bakery and you just get like a baguette well that's usually what i end up doing but still i i worry about whatever the grocery store bakery is is throwing in there now when you go to paris which happening soon right you're about to go to Paris. You get yes. You're you're about to live the experience of having a daily daily baguette. Well, daily. Last time maybe in, maybe maybe even three times a day. Last time I was in Paris, that's what we did. We bought a baguette, yeah. walked around, walked put around. it under your arm, and you keep moving. That's and it. And we just got some nice cheese. And usually, usually you break a little bit off of it yeah. on your way home. Well, yeah, that baguette is not going to make it completely whole. To your home, there's uh, yeah, but those places are everywhere. So, but everywhere, everywhere, back back to American bread. Okay, American bread has preservatives. It has lots of sugar or corn syrup in it. Now, the issue two twofold about bread: one is the additives and the sugar. All right, two is well, I'll, I'll give you threefold. Two is what you're eating it with. What are we eating regular bread with, right? We're making grilled cheese because we know that's not healthy, okay? Uh, are you just having a turkey sandwich or are you having a BLT, right? Like that's not as unhealthy. Three, when it comes to the bread itself and the flour that composes the bread. So you know what enriched flour is? It's flour that has added vitamins. Do you, do you know why we have enriched flour? We have enriched flour because when they take the wheat and they uh, process the wheat to make flour, they remove not just the wheat germ and the wheat shell, they remove actually all of the nutrients, nutrients from yeah. the wheat, so much so that what is left is a fine pulp that literally, legally, by the FDA standards, cannot be sold as food. It's pure carbohydrates, which is basically sh- pure sugar. Well, it's just complex carbs. It gets broken down into sugars. Well, it's not. It's not very complex of a carbohydrate because they have no. They've it's not super complex, but it's more complex than like glucose, glucose, sucrose, or fructose. They've 
they've ripped all of the nutrients out of it. So legally, they cannot sell this as, as food. So when you're buying enriched flour, what you are buying is the worst version of wheat flour, meaning it's been stripped of everything and they cannot sell it as an actual food. And then they must enrich it to sell it to you as a food product. So enriched flour is literally the worst flour. What you want to do is you want to buy some version of a whole wheat or a whole grain flour that is minimally processed. And they're out there, but you're not going to buy them in the pound bag. And you can, but but not for the same price that you buy that gold standard or or Pillsbury flour. And uh, And unfortunately, the majority of the bread that we eat is like that. It's added sugar or it's with a grilled cheese or just some other bullshit, or it's just really, really bad flour that makes up that bread. Mm. So, so, you know, so that, so that's some of the so, reasons why. So not- going back to the baguette in Paris, um, all right. the standard, the standard sandwich over there is ham and cheese. I mean, when, when I say ham is jambon. But again, come on exactly you're yeah. not you're not having ham as 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 no ham. not the american ham it's jamon or jambon in french and the cheese is gruyere not just any cheese or it could be brie as well now notice that upon demand they can smear a layer of butter on both sides of the bread i know i know you're cringing right now but that's the way to eat a uh jambon beurre <laughs> which is the name of the sandwich. That is the way to eat it. You have to try it at least one time. Then you can be disgusted. I'm telling you, butter. Butter makes everything. French cuisine has butter everywhere. And yet... I wasn't aware the French knew how to cook something without butter. Yet, when you look at the French people, they, they have a line. They have a waistline. They're not obese. They're very healthy. I mean, they, they. But the thing is, it's you're you're having butter from milk fat, from dairy fat. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and and the the bread that they're eating, right? With the milk, well, cheese is actually protein, right? Mm-hmm. It is milk fat. protein? Milk protein. Butter is is milk fat. Now, of cheese course, has fat too. Well, cheese has fat in it, and and butter has protein in it, right? But but the ratios are kind but of the ratio exactly. The ratios are opposite. And it's so, not it's it's not a sandwich made by Monsanto. Put it that but, way. But um, exactly. You're, you're the having, chicken is grown very healthy, cage free. The food there is absolutely uh, every single time I go to France. I'm not kidding you. Every single time I go to France. I have to go at least the first three days. I have to go to the bathroom a lot more times. Uh, because to you're having more fi- you're because having I have more a lot of fibers. fibers. More fibrous food. Because, because every single food that I'm eating, it doesn't matter if it's a street food or it doesn't matter what it is, has uh, fiber content that is superior to the U.S. Well, at least by you use time- it in European bathrooms. <laughs> yes. By the time my body adapts, I know that I... I evacuated all the toxins, and now not, that there's no such thing as toxins. That's bullshit. Well, well no, no. I think you you're both having two different arguments. One thing: toxins. You're drinking alcohol and having uh, cancer cancer causing shit that's in your body. 
Uh, and, and that, that gets flushed out in in real time. The radicals, yeah. You mean you don't have but, toxins. But, but not like you've got like a storage of toxins in your colon that you need like special things to flush out. No, like, the, the, it, the, it's the, it's constantly in the process of being eliminated. The the issue though is that when you're in France, you're having food that is much more natural, has mm-hmm. a lot more fiber, not as processed as much. Mm-hmm. It goes it goes through you quicker, mm-hmm. right? which means your body digests less and does mm-hmm. more work, right? Whereas in the U.S., we have highly processed food, which has a higher chemical content and a much greater content of processed ingredients. Processed, the hormones are modified, and, and, everything. And so, you know, it, when, when you start, the, the issue is when you're trying to label what is a toxin, and James, I think this might be something that you want to chime in on. Well, let's define toxin. Is a toxin sugar? Is a toxin caffeine or nicotine or caffeine? Or, or is it tox? Is a toxic? Uh, how 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 would you define what's toxic to your body? Well, that's problem one. Is there is no definition. And that's, and that's, I think, kind of what you were just getting at when you were like, Rod. Well, when people talk about, like, I'm doing this juice cleanse or anything else, like, I, I'm going to flush all the toxins on. Like, what toxins? Like, if, there, if you have toxins in your body, for, like, example, alcohol, like, your body works really quickly to get rid of it. And, like, the toxins that will accumulate in your body are not going to get flushed out with, like, a, like, a, a green drink juice cleanse. Like if you've got mercury accumulating in your body because you're eating like bad tuna, like a juice cleanse isn't going to fix that problem. If you if you drank P- Putin's polonium tea, like a well, juice people, cleanse isn't fixing people were that drinking, problem. People were drinking radioactive water for for several years. Then. Right. Yeah. So like <laughs> stuff's either going to accumulate in your body because it doesn't have a way of getting rid of it. And a juice cleanse isn't going to fix that, or it is a toxin, and your body knows how to, or your body knows how to get rid of it, and it is actively getting rid of it at all times. Well, I mean, just think if you drink half a quarter motor of motor oil, right? Like your body is going to have a major reaction. Um, versus if you drink soda, right? Which people will argue soda is bad for you because of the chemical makeup of the ingredients in soda. However, just for the record, all of the natural ingredients that you make also have a chemical exactly to them. They all have right. a chemical. They are all harmful. Like, you have harmful toxins, toxins from preservatives. They're either the you have artificial dyes. You have additives. You right. have and your body's amount. getting rid of that all the time. But the issue is your body. The issue is its its effect on. Do you know what are the uh, effects of toxins in your body? It could be brain fog. It could be hair loss. It could be fatigue. It could be brittle toenails. Watch your watch your nails. A lot of people a lot of people don't watch their nails. Brittle toenails is an indication of having toxins. Bad breath. That's your liver. That's your liver oversaturated with. Uh, with with things that are trying to um, eliminate things. your liver is the um, the garbage disposal. Uh, tr- yeah, but my point you know, is that- nausea, weight gain, all that is. is yeah, yeah. Is- what I'm saying is that, like, 
doing some kind of cleanse or whatever isn't going to eliminate these toxins in a manner that couldn't be achieved practically any other way. I disagree with that because uh, some, of the, some of some of the it would reduce a lot of swelling. It would reduce. Uh, it would balance your pH level, which is very important. It would boost your moods. Believe it or not. Uh, Let's say would... you eat a shitload of processed foods, right? I'm saying that if you stop eating these crappy processed foods and start eating healthier things like salads and unprocessed foods, you will see these same results or better than if you go on one of these stupid juice cleanses. I agree, but at the same time, people use that because they want to enhance their heart health, their immune system. But it doesn't do that. It does. It does. When you do the juice cleanse, it does improve your immunity. Absolutely, it does. It it even lowers your risk of disease. It does. You can achieve the exact same thing with like a protein shake and like some vitamins. Not one protein shake. It's not going to do anything. It's like you're telling me I'm going to work out at the gym for one hour in a week and it's going to do marvels. It's not going to happen. No, it's going to give you, 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 just change gonna give you good conscience. Like, there's it. no such thing as a cleanse. It's consistency. What do you do it consistently on a regular basis? Yes, it will. It will. There's, there's no such thing as a cleanse. Although on that point, I always thought if, if you've ever seen um, those ads for like, uh, like, like the colon cleanse or whatever, where like, they talk about like being able to like flush out your coal or whatever. I like the idea. I, I, I wish that I was there in the marketing meeting where you're at some pharmaceutical company. Be like, Johnson, can you tell us uh, about the develop like the progress that you've got on this new drug that you've been working on? Well, sir, it's not really great news. Uh, so far, the only thing that this pill does is just make you shit violently and uncontrollably. We haven't. It, it doesn't really do anything else. It just makes you relentless. I mean. And then they I mean, say evac- evacuating toxins through natural ways but, is yeah, part but, of getting rid no, of but it. So yeah, then you've got the guy in marketing saying, "No, we're gonna run with this. We're gonna sell this product. We'll market it as a cleanse." Okay. So, but I, I think, I think there's, there's, there's two factors. Okay. What, what we could be talking about is what's built up in your intestines, right? What's built up in your small intestine and your large intestine, right? Now, an immediate cleanse, a juice cleanse, a high fiber diet immediately is going to eliminate that stuff. However, what's in your blood, what's in your stored fat, there's what's in, what's in your brown fat. Some of this stuff is not, is not leaving your body for a decade of good behavior. Okay. It's, it's just there. So a, a cleanse is a cleanse as much as it can be a cleanse. If you want to cleanse out your intestines, you, you, you can just drink. Uh, there's a couple of things you can drink. That you know are- if you want to clean out your intestines, the best way to go about doing it is do a colostomy prep. Well, so, yeah, you could you could you could do something to clean out your colon. Right. It's going to clean you up now. A juice I, I wouldn't recommend that, by the way. That's just thoroughly miserable. Now, a juice. Cleanse- you guys know that one of the most available really readily available way to get rid of toxins without anything whatsoever it's a bucket of warm water that's all you need now hear me out no now you're not shitting um you can extract harmful harmful toxins what by from through your feet listen to me in just 30 minutes treatment all you have to do is remove toxins in a very relaxing way all you have to do is uh, it's like a pedicure. All you have to do is have like your feet in a 
warm water basin and wait for 30 minutes. That's it. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you don't have to believe me. You don't no, have to believe you, me. This is and I won't. This, it, I don't, it works. No, the, the issue you're not pulling you're not pulling toxins out of your bloodstream. What, what toxins? Define toxins. You're pulling bacteria that are on your feet. You're pulling it out of out of your feet. You are cleaning your feet, and of course, your body naturally gets rid of the toxin through your feet. You don't know that, but I'm telling you, you don't know that either. Part, well, oh, I James, do know that. Trust James, me, I do know that. James, your body also gets rid of the toxins through your elbows and your knees and your forearms and your mm-hmm. upper arm and your back. It's just if you, it's just it's less do, difficult. Do you know one of one, one of one of the ways? Of water. Uh, well, guys, one of the ways that like one of the way parents differently. One of the way parents get rid of uh, I mean heal their kids, especially infants. You should know that, Justin, is by putting a little bit of Bengay on the kid's feet and cover them with socks. Now, socks is very important. You have to cover them with socks throughout the night. And in, in the daytime, when you take off the socks, you'll see the color by yourself. The color is kind of dark, and it's not coming from the Bengay. Your body gets naturally rid of your toxin through your feet. Skin. That's not dead skin. It's an infant. It doesn't have much dense skin like, like an adult. But I'm just saying, your toxins, I back up. Try it. Try it tonight. Put some Bengay on your feet, cover it with socks, go to sleep. You'll wake up and exercise, and you'll you'll thank me for that. I'm telling you. What substances make up these so-called toxins? Toxins comes from everything. It could be from the air. It could be from pH from the the water. It could be anything. Yes. As everyone knows, uh, pH of six is toxic. On that note. Oh. We, uh, we should probably end. Oh, Rush should went away. Coming back with lime juice. Rush was coming back with lime juice to fight the pH. Uh, I'm before we wrap. I'm I'm really curious where Rush went. I see him in a mirror. Oh, oh, two, film. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There you go. You see it. You see it. That, How much does that weigh? It's not light. You see, you see how much is it? So I would imagine that's probably like that has to be pounds. in the fridge, my friend. We we've got to get Rash to let us know what is on. We need to let Rash. We got to get him in a position to let us know what what is on those film reels. Uh, You're never gonna see it. Sasha asked, "Are we gonna do an episode on abortion?" So Did we've we done to? them in the past. We might, maybe we it's time to revisit it because there's been some developments. There's been a lot of hard hard developments. I heard there's now Cheers. the death penalty in South Carolina for abortion. Is that is that proposed? proposed? Twenty one oh. state senators have proposed it, or like twenty one state senators are co sponsoring the bill. I think most people would be okay with that if the death sentence was for the unborn baby. <laughs> I'm fine with it that way. Yeah, sure. Dix is thinking about well, that. I want you to think about this one. We care about life so much that if you abort an unborn child we will kill you <laughs> so we don't care about life that much um yeah death penalty not 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 jail but actual death penalties so yeah yeah this is not my idea we care, yeah yeah no right. we, we, we care about life so much that uh we will eliminate a life in in the defense of another life uh and then no guys we uh we gotta go it's late i want to thank you guys for joining i want to thank rosh for joining in person. Yeah, good to have him on live for a change. 
And uh, we'll see you guys Thank next you for time. having Thank me. Thank you for joining us in this episode about nothing, which happened to be about cars, bathrooms, and bodily I'm so curious to see how you're going to label this episode. I'm waiting. Adios, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers. This is The Other End. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.